Good morning. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And this morning, we join with literally hundreds of thousands of followers of Jesus Christ in declaring to ourselves and declaring to this world that Jesus Christ is the grounding for all the hope that we have. It is the grounding for the hope that we have in this meaningful and purposeful life that we can be given by following Jesus. And it also is the grounding for our life in eternity that is promised to us because of the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The title of my message today is Easter in Uncertain Times. I want to begin with a quote from a missionary to India from the early 1900s. His name was E. Stanley Jones. I came across this quote probably 30 years ago, and I continue to have it resonate in my own heart, especially during difficult times. E. Stanley Jones wrote this, The early Christians did not say in dismay, Look what this world is coming to. But in delight, look what has come to the world. They saw not merely the ruin, but the resource for the reconstruction of that ruin. They saw not merely that sin did abound, but that grace did much more abound. That is the message that we proclaim today. And the message today also fits in with a larger series that we began at the beginning of Lent, way back at the first part of March. The sermon series is entitled, Encountering Jesus. And the focus, again, is that Christian hope is grounded in encountering this person, Jesus Christ. Hope for the Christian is not some positive attitude that we try to conjure up on days like Easter. Christian hope is not defined by glass half full thinking or a personality type. Christian hope is not some bumper sticker psychology. No amount of motivational podcasts, TED Talks, or daily affirmations can build the Christian virtue of hope in your soul. Because for the Christian, hope is indeed a virtue that we exercise and build upon. And so today is the grandest of days to say again to ourselves that our hope is in Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. I want to share another quote that's from another one of my favorite authors by the name of Phil Yancey. And Yancey wrote this, in many respects, I find an unresurrected Jesus easier to accept. Easter makes him dangerous. Because of Easter, I have to listen to his extravagant claims, and I can no longer pick and choose from his sayings. Moreover, Easter means he must be on the loose out there somewhere. I love that sentiment because Yancey himself realizes if this is true, 
then there are important demands that are on each and every one of us and questions that we must answer. So let's turn to today's passage. It's in John 11, as has already been read. And I want us to begin with verse 21. This, of course, is a very uh, famous story within the Scriptures. And it goes along with another very famous story because we're dealing with a family unit in Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. The earlier accounts, of course, are of uh, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha being the busy doer. But now we fast forward in the story and we find that they have become like family to Jesus. And in fact, we are finding them back in their home again. And Jesus is on his way to their home. But earlier in this chapter, if you read in in chapter 11, we're told that Lazarus was extremely sick. And in fact, his life was hanging in the balance. And here's the unsettling part. Jesus actually waits two days before leaving to see him. And in fact, while Jesus is not immediately coming to see him, Lazarus tragically dies. And so now we pick up the story in verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Quick note we're going to see in this account today that both Mary and Martha, each separately in their encounter with Jesus, give the exact same response when Jesus arrives. And it is this, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Well, why is this important? In the Encountering Jesus series that I said we began at the beginning of March, I laid the groundwork for a framework for our series, and it's taken from one short verse, and it's from John chapter 1, verse 14. Here, John writes, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And I made the point in the first two sermons that Jesus was the perfect balance of both truth and grace. And I mentioned they are inseparable. They're not opposites. In fact, they're like two sides of a coin that cannot be separated. And Jesus knew how to bring truth to a situation, and he knew how to bring grace as well. And we'll see that in this encounter this morning. Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Well, what's Martha referring to here? During the time of Jesus, most Orthodox Jews believed in a personal individual resurrection. You can look at Isaiah 65 and 66 for their understanding of the future and how they would fit into it. However, the Orthodox Jew did did not have a concept 
of a God or a Messiah coming to this planet and rising from the dead. That was not their understanding. But here's where Martha had it right. She had faith that Jesus could heal her brother, but she was also questioning why he didn't. Now listen to Jesus' response to her in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. In Jesus' wisdom, he knows exactly what Martha needs. She needs to know and see his divine nature. In the Old Testament, God called himself, I am who I am, in an encounter with Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. God is the great and the only I am. He is eternal. He's unchanging. He's holy. He's infinite. He's transcendent. And he's separate from all that he has created. And so now, throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus takes what every Jew would understand to be a title for God alone, and he applies it to himself. I am the resurrection. And six other times we see that I am statement Jesus uses about himself. John takes that and uses it in his framework, actually, of how he constructs the gospel. And in fact, at the end of the gospel, John tells us what his purpose was in writing the entirety of his account of Jesus' life. And it's found in John chapter 20 and verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John was a pastor at this point in his life, and I could see the pastor's heart coming out. He was writing this so that people could find new life as they heard about the story of the God who died and was risen. But now, back to the encounter with Martha. Verse 26, Jesus asked, Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. This is a wonderful point where Martha affirms Jesus and his claim to be God himself. This is astonishing. This is a holy and a sacred moment that Martha is able to declare this with Jesus. And so Jesus has given her the truth. He's given Martha what she needs the most, the truth about who he is and what he will accomplish. Jesus stating, is stating, I am here with you, and I am capable of giving you true eternal life. Well, now let's see the encounter 
with Martha's sister Mary in verse 28. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. John is giving us some very interesting details here. Note that Jesus has not entered the village after his conversation with Martha. He wants to talk personally with Mary. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. And so, Here in these two verses, we see the same phrase Martha had said, now uttered by Mary. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's the question I would have asked. Why did you take so long to come? We told you in plenty of time, and now our brother is dead. But as with Martha... Jesus knows what Mary really needs. And now he shows his humanity. He showed his deity to Martha, but to Mary he shows his humanity and he gives her tender and compassionate grace. We see this further in verse 34. Where have you laid him, Jesus asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, See how he loved him. Jesus looks at the dead corpse of Lazarus, and he enters into the human experience of deep sorrow. You would think that Jesus would have his emotions under control. He knows that shortly he's going to cause a miracle to happen raising a dead man. But I believe in these two encounters with Mary and Martha, we see Jesus again demonstrating truth and grace together, this time around death. Jesus doesn't say, death is the human experience, get used to it. Everyone will die. But the truth of who he is declares this is not how I created the world to be. Death was not in the original plan. It is the result of an outward infection of sin into this world that's damaged everything, and its end is caused death. And the truth of Jesus stands up against that. But Jesus also deeply grieves because he is human. Compassionate grace declares that death is so deeply painful. The raising of Lazarus is at a key place in the Gospel of John. The stage is now set after the raising of Lazarus from the dead for Jesus' own death. This is a foreshadowing 
of Jesus' own miraculous, sin-conquering resurrection. But Jesus knew that the only way to bring Lazarus out of the grave was to put himself in the grave. Easter ultimately is the glorious story of Jesus' resurrection. However, Easter also reminds us that we too will die a physical death. And we can't talk about new life until we remind ourselves of what we innately know but don't like to think about or dwell on, that we will all die. In our online bulletin today, there are names of those who have been honored by their families who have already moved into eternity. And I want to acknowledge that some of you this morning are grieving that loss of that family member or friend. And this may be the first Easter without that loved one, and so we're well aware of that. Some of you also know individuals who have tragically died from the COVID-19 virus. And so we are well aware that death is around us. We cannot run from it during this pandemic. But when I officiate a Christian burial, at the top of the folder of the bulletin that we give to people, it says, a witness to the resurrection. A witness to the resurrection. Because the truth that we celebrate on Easter about a future resurrection for all of us is grounded in the fact that Jesus himself is raised. That is our hope for our own future in eternity. But the two sides of the truth and grace coin, Jesus understands our grief and our resistance to facing human death. And he understands with compassionate grace and can bring that to every person today who is in need of that. One of the great summaries of this in the New Testament, I believe, is in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Hear the hope of the gospel. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Praise God for the truth of this verse. Now I'd invite you to bow your heads as we close our message today. And I just want to give you some time to think. On this Easter, what is your view of death? What is your view of hope? What is your view of eternity? Is this life all that there is? Do we just cease to exist? Or do we become part of some cosmic force? Let me ask another question. Whatever your view of death is, what is it based on? What is your basis for future hope? It isn't just Christians 
that have faith, or faith is required to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, every one of us has a conclusion, and it's based on something, and it needs to be informed by faith. And so I simply invite you to consider the claims of Jesus, his invitation today to all of us, to put our faith in hope and our future in eternity in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's just take a moment to ponder those things.